Well, it's great to have you with us this morning. I tell you what, we have a little different service, as you already know. Normally, we'll have the praise team with us. The praise team is not going to be singing. In fact, our service is so jam-packed, that is going to be the total sum of our singing. If you're visiting with us, this is not normal. We have a lot of very exciting and special things. One of those, in fact, the biggest is our children's choir. We're really pumped up about that, and we need to leave time for that. So as far as the singing, that's going to conclude that. Another really neat opportunity we have is we have John Fox here representing Fox Built, and we've asked him to come up and let us know what the Lord's been doing through his business and through his heart and uh, some opportunities that that's going to equate for us as well. Hey, good morning. <clears throat> All right, John said I had uh, five minutes this morning. Otherwise, I'd have to double my tithe. So definitely going to be done in five minutes. Um, for those, of the, for those of you that don't know, our business has been given a, a pretty neat opportunity here to uh, uh, contribute to the community through uh, this year's ABC 27 News Mid-State Home Makeover. Um, for those of you that don't know what that is, um, if you ever see the Extreme Makeover on TV, that's what we're doing, only here in the Mid-State. And uh, we have a week just like on TV, and it's pretty much just as extreme as you see on TV. Um, anyway, so I just wanted to share a couple quick things with you this morning. Uh, one, how we kind of got involved uh, two, uh, some of the neat, uh, some of the neat um, opportunities that we feel we're going to get from doing this project, and then also um, how you might want to be involved yourselves. So, um, anyway, first of all, the way we got involved was uh, we were sitting in church one week, and our church mentioned how they were going to be doing a Homes for Humanity project, and they were uh, buying all the material, they were providing all the labor through people in the church, and I was sitting there thinking, not so much, man, that'd be cool to uh, uh, help out with. But I was more thinking, man, that'd be neat if uh, if our business was able to do something like that, uh, just totally be able to read, you know, uh, do a whole house like that for for a project like that. And what you know, a week, a week or two later, uh, ABC 27 News gives us a call and says, hey, would you be interested in leading and uh, being the project coordinator this year for the uh, Mid-State Home Makeover? And for us, we were like, oh yeah, definitely. And they said, well, take your time, you know, think about it, talk about it, see if you can fit it in. And I said, I, I don't have to think about it. We've already been thinking about it. So it was kind of a, kind of a neat, neat uh, progression there. Um, now, any, now, since uh, we got involved, there's been a lot of neat things that have happened. Um, one thing we appreciated was we get to help pick the recipient of the makeover. So we, we really appreciated that. And uh, the, the, the person that, uh, that was chosen happened to be someone that was local to Harrisburg. We were happy about that because, you know, obviously we grew up in Harris, the Harrisburg area, and we, we liked the opportunity to kind of be connected in the community that, in that way. And uh, a couple other uh, neat things about the, the winner, um, she, uh, well, first of all, uh, she lost her husband in January uh, from absolutely no signs, no warning, and, uh, you know, basically one of their kids walks in and dad's laying dead on the dining room floor. That's the, the tragedy of the situation. Um, and there were some neat things involved as far as how she's, you know, over, you know giving back to the community and uh, involved with her school in different ways. And, but some neat things about her were she teaches at the middle school that I went to school at. And her kids go to that middle school. Her kids go to the high school where my mom works. So there's a lot of neat ties there. And we see some opportunities to possibly get into the schools. And we've even been given a, uh, an informal invitation to come in and speak uh, to the middle school kids uh, at one of their award ceremonies. So we, we think God's going to give us some opportunity to go in and speak to the thousand or so kids about, you know, the Christian testimony of our business. And so we're just excited about all these different opportunities. Uh, as it turns out, uh, the woman that was chosen uh, is a born-again Christian. So we go in, and uh, the day after we, we revealed on the news live that she was the uh, recipient, the next day I go in to take some measurements, and she sits me down right away, and she says, Hey, as thankful as we are about this makeover, um, I just want to let you know that I think it's so much bigger than your company, and I think it's so much bigger than us. And uh, she just went on to tell me example after example of different people in her lives that she's tried to witness to before that have come back to her and say, man, there really is a God, isn't there? And they're not just saying it to be nice or cheesy or anything like that. They're, they're being sincere. And she's talking about unsaved workers at school and unsaved people in her family. So we're just excited about the, uh, the opportunities there. Um, so... Uh, how could you be involved if you uh, want to? Well, um, there's a bunch of different areas. Uh, this takes place the first week of May, and we have one week to totally do this thing. So whether um, we have some areas of demolition that we're going to need a lot of help with, painting, uh, even bringing breakfast out for the workers. If you want to be a hero, 
bring breakfast out at 7 or 8 in the morning, and the people that, the guys that were working all night long are going to cheer your name for sure. But um, anyway, and there, there's other areas to be involved in as well, cleaning and just uh, miscellaneous tasks throughout the week. So uh, if you're interested, see me. Um, I'll give you one of these. It has information on the, on the, on the project and uh, some times that, you know, we're going to need some help and things like that. If you, if you don't see me, uh, there's, these are laying out on the track rack. It's about the only thing free out there, so grab it. Um, but uh, anyway, um, just thanks for the opportunity for sharing. Again, uh, if you ever finished your basement, we can use you. If you never finished your basement, we can use you. So uh, if your name's Scott Romberger, we can use you. <laughs> if your name's John Shari, um, well, we're probably good. So. <laughs> Yeah, this will be the last time we see the Fox Built team up uh, at our church. Uh, as, we, as the men come forward, I do have a few announcements for you. We're going to go through them rapidly, so please check the bulletin for details. First, uh, this service, a quick mention on Fireproof. You're going to hear more about it at the end of the service. But this service next week, I feel like I'm a, I'm a for five years I was a fifth grade teacher. I'm going to say all eyes on me. I'm going to see everyone's eyes. Because at 10, if you come at 10.30, we're already going to be here and we're going to be halfway through the Fireproof movie. This service starts at 9.15 next Sunday. Once again, this service is going to start at 9.15 next Sunday. It's the start of our Fireproof campaign. We're going to show a movie and then kick off our eight-week campaign. Other announcements. Uh, the Olympian Games is going to be May 2nd. Please check the bulletin for that. T Teen Three Springs Retreat, May 1st through 3rd. Check the bulletin for Teens Involved practice times. Uh, they're always changing. Teens Involved is going to be in Altoona, April 25th. There's clothes in the library. If you have small children, uh, there's clothes in the library that have been donated to Garden Chapel. You can check those out and put in an order for them. And then the final announcement I have before we pray is you'll notice an insert. There's a bowling outreach. Everyone has a colored sheet insert in your bulletin. Roy's uh, got it high and waving from here to there in the back of the auditorium. That is for your information. It's May 8th. It's from 7 to 10, and it's for everyone. It is an outreach. He's really stressing it. When he gets an opportunity to come up, he's going to stress it's an outreach. It is for the, the church family, but it's for you to invite a friend as well. It's the best deal in town, $7.00. Gets you three hours of bowling. That includes your shoe rentals. Come out and have a great time. If you have any questions, you can contact Roy. His phone number is on the insert as well. Please pray with me as I pray publicly. Dear Heavenly Father, I thank you just for the opportunity you've given us to worship here. I thank you for your son, Jesus Christ, and the fact that he has given us freedom on the cross by his awesome work of defeating sin. We thank you for... Uh, just the fact that we can come here in freedom, and there's so many around the world that call out to your name as well, and they have to do it in secret and in fear. And, and uh, I just thank you for the freedoms we have, and we pray for the persecuted church around the world as well. I do pray for uh, just uh, this fireproof campaign as we've been working to get that kicked off, but that we don't focus in on our work and we give it to you, and that you're the one that makes it eternal and lasting and life-changing. I thank you for the opportunity that you give us to give back to you with our tithes and offerings. I pray for the children as their little hearts are beating rapidly of coming up here and standing in front of their parents and loved ones in the congregation, that you calm their hearts and help them to just get a taste of just what obedience brings, the blessing that it brings. And I just pray that you bless them as they minister to us, as I know they're going to be a blessing to our hearts and, and, and just a time of worship to you. And I pray these things in Jesus' name. Amen. Good morning. I want to introduce to you Ruth Cox. She is the founder, and uh, she runs the orphanage over in Burkina Faso that I visited and did some work for in my last trip to Africa. And Ruth will be speaking tonight at 6 o'clock for the evening service, giving you a more detailed uh, description of what goes on there. Thank you, Russ. Good morning. Um, yes, I do live and work in Burkina Faso, West Africa. Uh, tonight we'll talk a little bit more even about where Burkina is because most people don't know, and I didn't know before I went there. Uh, we do have an orphanage. We have a primary school. We've built a clinic, and we have a sponsorship program. 
So that's just the, the high level of who we are and what we're doing. And I think I'll just uh, leave it with, I have a, just a very short uh, video clip with some uh, photos, pictures, just to give you a general idea of what we're doing. Are we on? Yep. Thank you for your attention. If you can come this evening, we'll have time just to go more in depth and time for question and answer for you to learn whatever you would like to learn about the project. Thank you. Thanks a lot, Ruth. And at this time, it's my privilege to introduce the children's choir led by Gina Crick and Jamie Orris.
going for my description, Mr. Dale. Yeah, I wasn't for the official fishing tournament. So, Mr. Dale, did you come up with the idea of fishing tournament yourself? No, actually, it was my niece's idea. You see, Gillian in here knows that I love to fish and I love to tell kids Bible stories. So she thought a fishing contest would be a great, great idea to get kids out to fish and for me to tell my fish tales. And just like me, that idea was a corker. Like Gillian, are you fishing for compliments too? Oh, I'll get all the compliments I need when I take home the trophy for the biggest fish. You and the biggest fish contest? Why, I'm the one who's caught every fish in this lake. White bass, walleye, muskie, pike, brim, shad, carp, catfish. Today I set my hook for the humongous pie-faced pickerel. Good luck with that. Well, I hope you get it, Thea. In fact, I'll just sit here and cheer it on because I'm not getting as much as I need. Ah, Taylor, don't give up so easily. Remember, patience is the mark of a good fisherman. Okay, pass the wax. That's the spirit. So, Mr. Dale, do you have fish tell about the biggest fish? No, but I have a story of the biggest miracle. You mean the one that starts on Good Friday? Uh-huh. But that's the day Jesus died, so I'm in the world what they call it Good Friday. Well, we're not chasing a fisherman like you, Thea, but I think some of us could tackle that question. hadn't died, we wouldn't have the wonderful news that we call the gospel. That is that Jesus gave his life to forgive us our sin and to offer eternal life 
to everyone who believes in him. That, well, no, wrong one. That's, that's the story of Easter. That's the glory of Easter. <laughs> You're so right. So that's, that's why my fish tale is titled Good Fish for Easter Day. Whoa, 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 whoa. Fish for Easter? They got as much as you catch. I'd think you to fish every day. No, for Easter, Mom always buys a paradise poached ham, then tries to pass it off as her own. <laughs> all right, all right. I think when you listen, you'll know why my story is titled Good Fish for Easter Day. But in the meantime, kids, watch your lines, because I saw a lot of fish jumping out there today. <sighs> okay, kids. Here's the rest of the story. After Jesus surrendered his life on the cross, some of his friends took his body down, and they wrapped him in clean linens, sometimes called grave clothes, and then they put Jesus' body in an empty tomb, and they sealed it with a big boulder, like that one over there on the other shore. And then, to make sure no one stole the body, Roman soldiers stood guard on either side of the tomb around the clock.
<laughs> wow. As Thea would say, that's sweet. Okay, Mr. Dale, I caught the Buddhist miracle season in the resurrection, but did I miss the fish in that tail? No, because the fish tail isn't finished yet. There's no way you can improve in anything like that. Well, hurry up and get to the fishing story. Remember, Thea, patience is the mark of a good fisherman. So, Uncle G, why didn't all the disciples believe that Jesus was alive? Well, kids, when Jesus died, the disciples, they were scared. And they were confused. And when they heard that he had risen from the dead, it just seemed... Too good to be true. <laughs> That's absolutely right, Taylor. And so later that day, the day we call Easter, Jesus appeared once again to his disciples. Once more they were fishing? No. They were on their way to a town called Emmaus. To buy fish. No, but you're getting close. Because that night, Jesus appeared to his disciples once more. As they were eating fish. You got it now. Take all right. Thank you, thank you. No autographs, please. Seriously, Thea, this appearance was amazing. Just imagine the scene. The room was probably dark, with oil lamps casting mysterious shadows all over the place. And then, right before your eyes, poof, Jesus appears in the room. And like, he didn't climb through a window or walk through a door, but he came right through the wall. No way, was he a ghost? <laughs> a ghost? Now that's a silly question. No, not really. That's what most of the people, that's a question they would have been asking. So why don't we answer that question for you? Do chicks have lips? Do pigs have wings? Ghosts have bones, do spirits have flesh? Now Jesus answered those two questions when he rose from death. same way he did another time when he had a seaside breakfast with some of his disciples of fish and bread. Fish and bread? You mean fish sandwiches. <laughs> Give me that filet of fish. Give it to me now. Give me that filet of fish. Give it to me now. Okay, okay. okay. <laughs> you know, Uncle G, for a land lover, Jesus would have made a mighty good fisherman. Being so patient, I mean. You know, he really, he really was patient. You see, Jesus knew that his disciples would be doubting that he was alive. So for 40 days, he appeared over and over to encourage them and to, to boost their spirits. 
And he's still patient, right, Mr. Bill? He sure is, Taylor, because when you love someone, Taylor, you're willing to wait for them to love you back. Way to go, Drew. Yeah, right. Praise That's the Lord. That's breakthrough, but, it, but I became a Christian three years ago. Then what can't you do? I don't think I can bring this fish in. You got a fish? Let's go. No, I think I got the biggest fish. Hey, hey. I'll help you, Taylor. Which one's your stringer? The one that doesn't have any fish on it. Oh, not for long, it doesn't. Okay, wait, patience, patience. Okay, now reel him in slowly. Here, let me dip him up with the dip mat. <laughs> Look at that! No, it can't be. It sure is. And it's my five-day pickerel. Oh, I'm sorry, Thea. I didn't even enter the biggest fish contest. Oh, don't sweat it, Taylor. Anybody who's already a Christian is already a winner. That's right, Taylor. Okay. Well, that's the end of that contest. Well, like you said it yourself, Gillian, there's no way to improve on an ending like that, is there?
This April, we celebrate Easter. On Sunday the 12th, Easter is on Sunday the 12th. Easter is when we celebrate Jesus' death, burial, and resurrection. He was crucified at Calvary for the forgiveness of our sin. Christ gave us victory and eternal life through our salvation. Some people deny his blood. Peter denied him. The Pharisees denied him also. People who don't accept him will go to hell. I have accepted him into my heart. Have you? Well, I'd like to take this time. In fact, I want to try and get Gina and Jamie to come back up front. They don't know we're going to do this. Uh, Jamie, if you can come up front, and Gina, if you could come up front. Uh, the amount of time that goes into something like this is just mind-boggling. The frustration that goes into something like this is mind-boggling as well. And what, what we wanted to do is, is as a church, we uh, created up these two certificate of appreciations. We want to give the Gina and Jamie, and if we could just give them a, an applause. And it does seem silly, once again, the hours that they put in, the time they put in to give them a, a certificate of appreciation. So what we've done as well, um, in fact, I, I, unless we forgot to do it, we put $100 in between the matting of that certificate. But we may have forgot to do that, though. So, yeah. At this time, I have the privilege to introduce Don Fogel. Don Oh, thank you, Mike. Junior Church is dismissed at this time as well. If there's any kids that are involved in Junior Church, you are dismissed. As Don makes his way on up here, and I'll move up, uh, I'll move the music stand up for you as a as the podium. Paul, one of the things that's that's Paul Mall, Pastor Paul Mallfair's visions is the Gideons, just their work in getting Bibles out in places that people can read them. Read the word, then have the word penetrate the heart in a mighty way. So we've asked Don to come up, who represents the Gideons, to share a little bit from God's word and also what the Lord's doing with the Gideons. So let's give him a big round of applause as well. In Matthew's Gospel, chapter 4, verse 18 and 19, it says Jesus was walking by the sea. And Peter and Andrew were fishing. And what did Jesus say? He said, follow me, and I will make you fishers of men. The Gideon ministry is about being fishers of men. A rather successful salesman who spent a great deal of time living in motels as he traveled over a period of years developed a very strong dislike for the Gideon Bibles, such as I have in my hand, that he would see lying around the hotels and motels. Morning in a fit of anger as he was getting ready for the day, he picked up the Bible and he threw it against the wall with such velocity that he broke the back of the Bible as it fell to the floor. He went out that day, made his sales calls, and had a rather successful day. And when he came back that night as he walked through the lobby, the manager stopped him and said, excuse me, I'm going to ask you to pack your things and leave the motel because when we checked your room today, you had damaged the Bible that was in there, and we consider that a part of our property at the hotel. And so as he went back to his room, rather disappointed in that event, as he walked into the room, there lay a new Gideon Bible on the nightstand. And so he packed up his things, and as he was doing that, he thought, I'm going to take that Bible with me. So he picked it up, took the Bible with him. A couple days later, he opened it. God convicted him of his need to be born again 
And as he read the plan of salvation, he bowed his head and his heart and came to know Christ as his Savior. And now you know the rest of the story, how the Gideon ministry places Bibles and God uses them in very distinct ways at various times to bring people to a saving knowledge of Jesus Christ. In Isaiah, we read chapter 55, verses 6 through 11. Seek ye the Lord while he may be found. Call upon him while he is near. Let the wicked forsake his way and the unrighteous man his thoughts. And let him return unto the Lord, and he will have mercy upon him. And to our God, for he will abundantly pardon. For my thoughts are not your thoughts, neither are your ways my ways, saith the Lord. For as the heavens are higher than the earth, so are my ways higher than your ways, and my thoughts than your thoughts. For as the rain cometh down, and the snow from heaven, and returns not thither, but waters the earth, and maketh it bring forth in bud, that it may give seed to the sower, and bread to the eater, so shall my word be that goes forth out of my mouth. It shall not return unto me void, but it shall accomplish that which I please, and it shall prosper in the thing whereunto I sent it. Now, most of us understand that passage of Scripture. And I grew up on a dairy farm, and the last year that we farmed, my brother went out into the field with a corn planter, and any day now you'll see corn planters all over the farm community. And he took seed like that, and he placed it in the ground, and he planted it. And several months later, I walked back into that same field. And look what I found. The principle of sowing and reaping. He planted that one little seed in the ground, and it turned into a harvest of ears like that. The Gideon ministry is about planting the seed of the Word of God. Isaiah says, It will not return unto me void, but it shall accomplish the purpose for which I sent it. Just as that man who destroyed that Bible and then picked up the new Bible and took it home and read it with him, his life was changed and he came to know Christ because God said it will not return unto me void. A couple of years ago, I spoke at the Alliance Church over in Glen Rocks, which is south of York, and I had two services there that morning, and as I was uh, sharing in the first service, the young man had introduced me uh, at the second service introduced me, he said, I have a confession to make. He said, I stole one of those Bibles when I was a 16-year-old teenager from a hotel where I worked in York. And he relayed how it happened. His brother had been in the military, and of course when men go to the military, they generally receive a New Testament for their service to take with them. And his brother came home on leave, and he unpacked his suitcase in the room they shared together, and he had this New Testament there. And he said, what that's? He said, that's a Bible they gave me. And he thought, i got to have what my brother has. I need a Bible. And he realized there were Bibles in the room at that hotel where he worked. And so he went to the room and he took one of those Bibles. And he read it and he came to know Christ. And the Sunday I was there was his last Sunday at that church as an assistant pastor. He was going down near Baltimore to become a senior pastor to church. Because he stole the Gideon Bible, as he put it, and he came to know Christ. And I said when I was stood up, I said, that is not a confession. That's a testimony, you know, of what God does and how he works through the printed page of the Gideon ministry. Simone Baraku was a, raised as an atheist in the country of Albania. And Albania had suffered under severe dictatorship for 47 years. And after a period of uh, time, the dictator died. And when he had died, the country started to become open to allowing people to leave and to travel. And as Simony was able to get out of the country for the very first time, he was traveling at a university in Greece. And as he was at that university campus, a man came by and gave him a little green book like this. It was a New Testament. Simony had never seen one or read one. And so he took this book home with him and he read it. And he read the entire Gospel of Matthew. But as he was reading, he read in this book where that man Jesus, who was so kind and so gentle, and then they put him on the cross and they crucified him. And he became so angry that someone would want to kill someone like this, who was such a kind and gentle person.
But the Spirit of God compelled him to read on, although he was inclined to quit. And as he read, he suddenly realized that he was one of those sinners for whom Christ died. And he bowed his head and he confessed Christ as his Savior. And he came to know the Lord. And today he leads a growing, thriving church near Corse, Albania, leading men and women, boys and girls to Jesus Christ and ministering to the needs of refugees in that country because someone cared and gave a dollar thirty cents to buy that New Testament that the Gideons could distribute to that campus there in Germany or in Greece. Les Kawani was a man who spent five years in the Navy in World War II, had survived all of the battles and came home intact. When he got home, he really didn't know what to do because he had no skills or had never learned to trade. And so he got a job worked as a cook for a while, and then he worked in a lumber mill. And finally, he was able to get a job uh, on the plains of South Dakota baling flax straw for the summer. So he went out there to bale straw, and his brother went out to work with him. They spent the summer together. At the end of the season, his brother returned home, and he had nowhere to go. So Les just stayed there, and he figured he would stay in one of those cabins there on the ranch where they worked for the uh, winter And he realized that it got cold and it got nasty there and that he would need to make provisions for the winter. So he went around to the various cabins and he was looking for supplies, blankets, etc., to stay warm. He had a little heater to keep warm. And he found an old Gideon Bible. And he took that with him back to his cabin. And as the blizzard roared outside that winter and he was reading his Bible that he had found, he began to see verses that he'd been taught as a boy in Sunday school and that he has read as a boy. And he writes and he says, Praise the Lord, today I am a born-again Christian because of that old Gideon Bible I found in that cabin on the plains of South Dakota. What a testimony to God's word not returning unto him void. Rogue was a young boy in the Philippines who when he was in 10th grade in high school was given a New Testament. But he was a tough kid and he thought, I don't need that little book. And so he stuffed it in the bottom of his backpack and his school bag and he took it home with him and he left it there. And the next year when it was time to go back to school, he couldn't go to school because his family did not have the money to send him to school. And so as he was unpacking the things from his bag, he came across this little book. And he read in Matthew 6.33, it says, But seek ye first the kingdom of God and his righteousness, and all these things shall be added unto you. And he thought, God, please help me. And he didn't know how to pray anything else other than that. Well, later that day, the neighbor who was a teacher at the school where Rogue went stopped by and asked why Rogue was not in school. And so the parents explained to the teacher that, well, we did not have the financial wherewithal to send him back to school. And the teacher said, Rogue is a good boy, and he needs to be in school, and I will make the arrangements for him to go back to school. And when Rogue heard that, he was elated because he realized God answers prayer. And so he began to read that little book, as he called it, and he came to know Christ. And it took him three years before he openly professed his faith in Jesus Christ. But finally, he put all that aside and declared himself as a Christian. Today, he leads a growing, thriving church in Amrock City in the Philippines because someone gave that 10th grader a New Testament, and the Word of God does not return unto him void, and he became born again. A lady by the name of Ruth from Allentown, Pennsylvania, sent in her testimony recently. In 1996... They had a contractor working on their home. He had taken the roof off and did not have it replaced, and severe rainstorms came along, and he did not have insurance, and that got pretty ugly. And meanwhile, another contractor who was working on the inside of the home made off with some of their money, and it took them forever to get the job finished. And in the midst of all this, their teenage son was giving them a great deal of difficulty, and Ruth was prone to periods of depression, and on one past occasion had attempted suicide. In this particular day, she thought, I can't handle this anymore. And that evening, she went out, and she got in her family car, and she got on the expressway, and she drove down the road there in Allentown, and she saw a sign for the Red Roof Inn. 
And so she thought, that's where I'm going to go, and I'm going to take my life tonight. I can't handle this anymore. And she went to a store, and she bought some soda and a bottle of pills, and she went to that red roof inn. And as she walked into the room, intent on taking her life, she looked, and there on the nightstand lay a Gideon Bible. And she cried out to God. She said, God, I can't take this anymore. I just went out of here. But God didn't let her out. Somehow or other, he kept her from taking her life, and she began to read the Bible, and she came to know Christ, and she got through the night. And she writes today, she says, thank God for that Gideon Bible that was there on that night in that room. She's been through three bouts with cancer. She still suffers from times of depression, but she testifies that I really believe that if that Bible had not been there, I would have ended my life that night. And with that note, I want to ask you to pray that God will keep the doors open in the hotels and motels for this reason. In Nashville, Tennessee, one of the large hotels has now stopped putting the Bibles in the room. They leave them at the desk. If you want a Bible, you can call and ask for it. But our experience has been that people that go to motels and hotels many times are in crisis. There's, in, there's illness, there's death, there's heartache, there's breakups in families. And that Bible being there at that moment in the open where it's accessible is so important. And so we want you to pray that God will keep those opportunities open to us. Because not only do they have the Bible in the hotels, they have the Book of Mormons and they have the uh, Quran and the other books. And so you can have your choice of religion. But we believe that the Bible needs to be in that room exposed where people can pick it up and read it. And so pray that God will keep those doors open as you pray for the Gideon ministry. You say, how can I help in this ministry? We consider you a part of our ministry, and I trust and I know you consider us a part of your ministry. We're co-laborers together for Christ in the ministry of the gospel of Jesus Christ. Four billion people around the world do not know Christ. They're all going to Christless eternity without him. There is no other way. There is no other hope. And so we need to reach them. And our task is big. We distribute scriptures at the rate of over 120 per minute, 24 hours a day, seven days a week. That's a lot of Bibles and a lot of work. And you can help by praying, first of all, for open doors and manpower to do the work. Secondly, you can pray by giving, or help by giving, if you will. There's a box in the foyer today. Every dollar that is placed in there will go to buy scriptures, either hotel Bibles at a cost of $5 or the New Testaments at a cost of about $1.30. And so every dollar that's given will go for that purpose. Also, in your bulletin, there is an insert, and we have the Memorial Card Program. And you have a rack in your church here. We have cards that are in tribute to, in memory of, in recognition, uh, you can send a card to someone and send a contribution to the Gideons and purchase some Bibles in recognition of or in memory of. And what a lasting legacy to give someone that is important in life is to leave Bibles in memory of or in honor of. And there's anniversary cards uh, you can purchase through a little packet that's in there. We'll tell you how to do that. The new motto is uh, send a card, send the word. And every uh, some of the cards, every card you purchase will buy one Bible and along with it. Some of them will buy two, and it's explained in that little pamphlet that's in there. And so I trust that you will pray for us, you will help us in the work that God has given us to do, and we value your friendship and your support from this church, and it's been a pleasure for me to be here today. And in closing, I want to pray that God will bless you as you move forward. I'm excited about the seminar you're going to do that God will use that in your community to reach many hurting families and also to strengthen those of us who perhaps aren't hurting so bad but could just use a little help. So let's bow for prayer as I close. Father, I thank you for the privilege of being here today, of sharing with these saints in the things of the Lord our ministry as we work together to reach the world with the scriptures that you've placed in our hands. I pray, God, you will bless the task that is before uh, garden chapel here you will raise up the help they need you will supply the resources they need and most of all we thank you for the hope that is ours in jesus christ that you will finish the work that you have begun in us in jesus name we pray amen
Thanks, Don. I uh, really appreciate that ministry. You see the value of that uh, just so very clearly. If you do choose to give uh, to the Gideons, there is a box out in the foyer, as you mentioned. We do ask that if you write a check, that you write the check out to Garden Chapel. Now, every dollar that's placed into that box is going to go to the Gideons. We assure you of that. But it helps with our accounting purposes if we just cut one check from Garden Chapel to their ministry. If you have any questions about that, you can speak to me afterwards. I'm going to take the next 10 minutes, and I'm going to let you guys know more about what's happening over the next eight weeks. It's already here. It starts next Sunday. In fact, what starts next Sunday? All right, that was pretty bad. All right, everyone stand up. Stand up. Everyone's going to stand up. With me on the count of three, we're all going to say fireproof, all right? One, two, three. Fireproof. Much better, all right? Stay standing, stay standing. Or we're all going to put our hands in the air like this. All right, let's get them up, get them up. Everyone, hands up. When you put them down, breathe out. And I want you to say fireproof. One, two, three. Fireproof. That's real good. You can sit down now. Excellent. Next Sunday, fireproof, starting at 9.15. Why are we doing this? Why are we going to dedicate eight weeks to showing a movie and then teaching on marriage? Why is this so important? What I want to do is I've asked Jeff to put up on the screen a movie. On Wednesday, we had it set up. I was going to show you a trailer, exciting things, stuff blowing up, trains coming by. Try and get you pumped up that way to say, hey, this is going to be cool. I can be comfortable inviting someone to this. I want to come to this. But then it hit me. I, I was going through it, and I had no intention of reading the behind, or watching the behind the scenes. And I accidentally clicked on that, and I clicked on it, and we get the, the makers of this movie, their heart to it. And, and I watched, and I said, this is what I want to show you guys. It's the same length. It's five minutes. And I hope that this shows you why are we doing this? Why are we making such a big deal? Why are we investing in this with, with Garden Chapel's money, with our time, with our resources, given eight Sundays towards it. And I think this will explain it better than anything, the heart behind Fireproof. When we come to an idea like a movie or a script or anything, it's Stephen and Alex and Jim and myself. We have to all be in agreement. Facing the Giants had impacted so many people uh, that we were wanting the Lord to again to lead the project. The Lord impressed on me to focus on marriage, which is not what I was inclined to do. We prayed about the content. We believe that marriage is under attack in America today. When he brought the initial idea of the love dare and a story that would follow a man going through the love dare, there was a sense of rightness about it. When the husband realizes that he has not been loving his wife uh, the way the Lord intended, he tries to win her heart back right before they get a divorce. And Caleb uh, goes on the love dare, which is a 40-day spiritual journey of what it means to study scripture and love your wife like Christ loved the church. It says in Hebrews that marriage should be held in honor above all, uh, of all the relationships God has created between friends, between parents and children, between co-workers. Marriage was the first one he started with. Marriage is a commitment for life. The good, the bad, and the ugly. Caleb, when two people get married, it's for better or for worse, for richer or for poor, in sickness and in health. I know that, but marriages aren't fireproof. Sometimes you get burned. People use the term trial by fire to talk about uh, tribulation or difficult circumstances. And I was thinking, how ironic if the husband was a firefighter whose marriage is going through a fire in and of itself, symbolically, and, and although he puts out fires everywhere, he can't figure out how to put the fires out in his own marriage. First time I read the script, it brought me to tears. Everything about it mirrored either part of my life or part of another guy that I'm close to in the fire department. Catherine and I were in love when we got married, but today <clears throat> we're two very different people, all right? It's just not working out anymore. My husband and I went through something similar to that. That's one reason why I've been so for this movie is because a lot of people need to hear what it's the message behind it. People don't get married because they hate each other. People get married because there was a spark of something that was special and they decided they wanted to live the rest of their lives together. And somewhere along the journey, things fall apart.
most of the love story movies you go see and you go to happen and it leads up to marriage or you know they they meet they fall in love they have problems trying to get there they get there we want to take a marriage that is in the middle of the daily struggles um, that most people can relate to that are married the selfish tendencies that we sometimes have the blandness that can occur in a marriage and start there how do you put life back into that marriage Catherine what is your problem did I offend you by walking in the door this morning? We have things in our house that need fixing. Like what? The back door needs to be painted, the yard needs better landscaping, and I keep telling you I want to put more shelves in the closet. Those are called preferences, Catherine. Those are not needs. We've had people in the prayer tower praying for us at a time in our marriage early on when we were having some issues. And it was just a, a wonderful recommitment to Christ that kept us together. Couples struggle with the same things all over the world. They don't know how to communicate. They don't know their roles. They don't know how to love one another unconditionally. At some point, they quit talking. They quit communicating. They quit sharing, this is how I feel. This is what I think. You know, I've got all this pressure on me, and the only thing you ever do for anybody is for yourself. Let me tell you something. You don't know the first thing about pressure. All right, you think I, I put out house fires for myself? You have no idea what I go through. Oh, yeah, but what do you do around here other than watch TV and waste time on the Internet? When a woman uh, has been just wounded over and over and over again, at some point, I think, she starts to let it hurt her less and let it anger her more. Men are notorious for pursuing their wife's heart, learning about her as they're courting her, and then once they have her, they then move on and become infatuated with other things. A husband is to represent Christ to his bride. He is supposed to lay down his life for her. The Caleb character in this movie is selfish. He starts the love dare. He could care less. The only time his heart changes is when he gives his heart to God. You know, if I had have had the love dear 15 years ago, probably I wouldn't have got divorced. You know, for the very same reason. I didn't have that material to work by. I didn't have that, that message in a book that I could go through 40 days and win the love back of my wife. Just like we don't deserve God's love for us, our spouse doesn't always deserve love. But you still love anyway. What we do in marriage impacts the next generation and how they view commitment, how they view love, how they have hope. We hope that through Fireproof that men will see an example of, of leadership in the home and leadership in their marriage. And for them to have in the back of their minds, I want to do what Caleb Holt did for my wife. I want to lay down my life for her, not just if she were to be caught up in a fire, but every day in how I serve her. Love is to be viewing next week a couple uh, points of clarity this next eight weeks next Sunday is for everyone it's for singles that are looking to be married it's for of course married couples it's for those that are widowed and you're older and you have no desire to be married it's for you as well because you can't escape marriage marriage is all around us another major aspect of this campaign the 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 vision that has been laid on the leaders of this church is to strengthen our small groups I hope that the next eight Sundays speak to your heart. But if you're like me, even in the sermons I preach in the Good News Service, I can't remember a lot of what I said on Monday. So I'm going to guess that you guys can't remember a lot of what you heard on Monday either. The truth is we want you to get engaged in a small group. Small groups have things that large groups cannot provide, such as intimacy, such as sharing, such as saying, you know what? 
Other people are going through the same thing I'm going through. I'm not the only one that's struggling here. When you leave, if you are not already in a small group, if you're already part of a small group, you don't need to sign up. If you are not in a small group, I hope you create a crisis for me on Tuesday. You fill all these small groups up, and I have to scatter to find extra leaders. We already have a lead. We already have um, a, a family that's willing to take a small group under their wing if these get filled up. I hope we fill that up. I hope we fill up this other group, and then I have to find others. If you're not in a small group and you want to benefit from this curriculum, you need to get involved so you can share, so you can process, so you can digest. They're offered at different nights throughout the week. Secondly, what's something else you can do? Obviously, we have these things to hand out. If you haven't been handing them out, do it. It is my goal that we are once again in a crisis Sunday morning where we have to start bringing in chairs and putting people out to park cars. That will not happen, I guarantee you, if your friends, your family, your coworkers don't know about it. They will not come if they don't know what happens. We're asking that you hand this out to your workers, to your coworkers, your family, your neighbors. Give it to them. It's not hard. It's as simple as this. John, here, will you take this? We're having this at our church. You know, we'd love to have you come. You going to come? Well, I won't be coming. No, you say yes. 